0: Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge.
1: And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now.
0: Welcome to another week of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge Boudreau. And again, joined by Shelly Billinghurst. Shelly, happy 70th birthday.
1: Oh, my God, you are brutal. Oh, Serge, I'll take that. Thank you. Yes. Another birthday passed trying to make it a non event. It's really not a big deal. Honestly, but thank you. Thank you. And no, I'm not 70. That
0: okay, okay. I'm giving you some years. Um, so happy 75th. Oh Yeah,
1: yeah. Sure, What's Serge. the
0: best birthday present you've ever received
1: oh man do you know that's an easy call I had four of my closest girlfriends take me to Seattle to go shopping the Nordstrom's anniversary sale is it's you got to go it's one of those things you just got to go for once that's Um, funny I've been what have you oh my God, their flagship store is in Seattle. So we flew down to Seattle. We ended up going to this great restaurant. And then we went across the street to this bar that had this special recipe of five different types of rum in one drink. We each had one drink and I don't even remember how we got home. Like honest to God, we were just, and so it's definitely my best birthday ever. When was that? That was a few years ago. That was for my big five. when I turned my big five oh. 25
0: was... years ago. That's a long time.
1: <laughs> Enough already. God, you just never quit with that. I do. Shelly,
0: what Jesus, topics so do we bad. have? today? What are we going to talk about?
1: Oh, I think what everybody's talking about in the talent acquisition industry today is the um, initial public offering for ZipRecruiter. We're going to touch on that. Then we're going to touch on the staffing industry and the agency business. And uh, taking a look at that, there's some really recent studies and reports, kind of rankings and that sort of thing. And then a great topic I think really insightful from recruiting brain food, talking about women in technology. Now, speaking of that, I don't know if you caught it, but JobSync ran this video this morning. They released a video this morning and it was called Don't Be This Guy. And it just drives the point home. Did you see it, Serge? I just saw it. You just watched it. Okay. So, you know, I've been saying for years, how likely would you be to start out a relationship where some guy comes up to you? Obviously I'm speaking to other women, but a guy comes up to you and he goes, so tell me who is your last boyfriend? How much money do you make? How much money do you want to make? And then I'll decide whether or not we're going to go on another date.
0: I've been on plenty of first dates that I've been asked all those questions.
1: Oh, oh, really? (laughs) And how long well, did that relationship last?
0: It, it didn't, obviously, because my wife didn't. And it's been a long time since I've been in the dating circle. It's very good she, point. It was
1: very well done. Don't be this guy. Yeah, <laughs> like this guy comes up to a girl, obviously, like in a coffee shop or a pub or something. And he's, can I get your number? No, how about a reference? No, how, better. Can I get your last boyfriend's phone number <laughs> so I can do a reference check? <laughs> and she just... I don't think she says a word. She just gets up and walks away. But the point really is, that's really what we're doing to candidates. It is. Like, we're asking them to give us all this information just to apply for a job. No, candidates are not going to do that. The ones who will do it are the ones who have nothing else to do. (laughs) And they're willing to endure this grilling of give me all your information and then I'll decide, which quite honestly... 90% of the time, you're never going to hear back from them, right? Like how many times would you do that in your personal life? Give somebody all this personal information and then you never hear from them. Not.
0: It is like dating and it's funny. There's been so many job boards and type solutions that are on like the Tinder for jobs. I will share in the show notes that I'll link to that video because I think it's pretty funny.
1: I think it's great too. I do. Let's dive into the Zip IPO search. What's your take on this?
0: First of all, I have to admit I was wrong. I predicted that Recruit was going to buy Zip Recruiter. Obviously that didn't happen. It's It might happen in the future, but... I was wrong. I was wrong, Shelly. It's not many times that I will admit Ooh. that on the air or.
1: Wow. Okay. But I kind of
0: stuck my neck out on that one because if I was going to be right, I was going to sound like a genius. So <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah. Sorry
1: about that.
0: But yeah, let me give you the key highlights. Yes. Uh, I watched uh,
1: a few interviews with Ian Siegel, who's the CEO of ZipRecruiter. Some really interesting comments from him. What stood out to you? I know you watched a few as well.
0: Yeah. The most interesting quote or comment that he said is we have created the smartest algorithm that's ever been built. What do you think of that quote?
1: That's a pretty outlandish claim. I think if they did, they would have been valued at $10 zillion and not just a couple billion. I know billions, a lot of money, but I don't think anybody's figured that out. I really don't. Like, I think that is a very bold statement.
0: It, it might be a bold statement, but it might be an accurate statement. Because if you think about how many data points that they've had since they've been in business in 2010, they have the data to create a really compelling algorithm. it might be exactly the same situation that everything else is so bad that they've created the best, but it doesn't really mean anything. Reason <laughs> That's that. a really it, good point. It's not valued yeah. at
1: 10 zillion. Yeah. Because everything else sucks so bad. <laughs> It's yeah, not that totally the case. Oh, okay. okay. Well, so Good what ended
0: up, they were hoping for around $3 billion valuation. They ended up being at $2.4 billion. It's a new way to go to IPO where basically it's a direct listing. We've seen quite a bit of companies do that in the last couple of years. Spotify was one that took exactly that approach.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Are, are you surprised by the valuation? The closest to it is Glassdoor, which was sold to recruit a little bit more than three years. And they were valued at $1.5 billion. So it is zip recruiters worth almost double what Glassdoor was?
1: Yes. Yeah, that's an easy call. I was surprised at how far Glassdoor got. Mostly because, again, I think they throw barriers down. It's a give and get site. And it always has been. And how many times if you just wanted some quick information and you wanted to go to Glassdoor because you heard about this company and I would just like some intel on them. How many times are you going to go when, you know, like you're two steps in and they're like, "Whoa, wait a minute, you've got to give us all your information and then we'll let you see this. It was a turnoff. I felt it was a turnoff like years ago. So I was really surprised at what Glassdoor was valued at for sure. Not so surprised with ZipRecruiter because of their timing. You and I both know there is a tsunami coming of people changing jobs. And if you have a good experience, where will you continue to go back? From the candidate's perspective, but also from the employer's perspective. So this, it did not surprise me at all. Their timing on this and how quickly they did it. That was surprising. There was talk that it would take until September and they hit the street yesterday. That was intentional. And and I did hear an interview with Ian Siegel where he definitely validated this was their intention and he talked a lot about how much activity is coming. He even used that term, the tsunami of people changing jobs. And so with that in mind, I'm not surprised.
0: Yeah. What do you think is their next play? Because if you look at all the markets they're in, is their goal is to compete directly when indeed, do they have other priorities that you think they're going to be focusing
1: on? Do you know, he was asked that question in in the interview that I watched. What are you going to do with all this money? Like, honestly, now the bank account is full what do you do next? Is there expansion? And he just said he is going to continue to build a service that will simplify recruiting, which, okay. He reiterated that they're not a job board. He positions them as matching technology.
0: so funny because as I've been job board industry for a long time, every (laughs) job board that I ever worked for would always say we're not a job board. Happened at Workopolis and indeed it was job board was just a nasty word. So yeah, sure. We're matching technology. No, you're fucking job board. That's what you are. That's what you'll be. I, I, I do think it's going to be interesting what they put in place to be able to compete with Indeed. So obviously their platform, you love it. I don't have the same experience as you do with it, but everything I've heard is really great. They have name recognition. They spent what, 400 million in the last 10 years when it comes to advertising. So the name recognition is out there to people in the industry. Yeah. And sometimes being in the industry, we overthink how much people are familiar with Indeed or Zip Recruiter. Mm-hmm. A lot of job seekers don't know these brands until they start looking for a job. I hear thousands of commercials and it doesn't hit me until I need something in that space. And I'm like, oh yes, I remember them. I predict that they will. I, I still think they're going to end up in recruit at one particular point. It might not happen for another three, four years, but I think it's going to happen eventually.
1: Okay. So tell me this. Are you going to buy? Yes. Really?
0: I think there's going to be massive growth for them in the next couple of years is now they do have more money to keep investing. And I think just the pressure of quarterly reporting is going to put a lot of pressure on them to grow their revenue because in their first quarter, they did $125 which is around 12% year over year. Not incredible is if you think of Indeed at one particular time was growing almost 60 to 70% a quarter, and this is not long ago, maybe five years ago. Mm -hmm. So I I do think there's going to be tons of pressure to go really quickly, which is going to be great for stockholders. I don't know if it's the best thing for the long-term interest, but I do think there's going to be an impact. Are you going to buy?
1: Yeah, I do. I do intend to, to buy some. I don't know how long I'll hang on to it. I really don't have the stomach for for gambling. So I've got just a very small percentage of money that I use for kind of gambling or fun money that I plan to buy some stock.
0: So you're telling me you don't have any crypto? You're not a crypto
1: girl? No, no, I do not. No, but I I do believe I think we need to have skin in the game if we're going to be podcasters in the industry. And because we do have deep insight into what's happening in North America in the job board space. Are you ready to move on to another topic then, Serge? So let's talk. Our friends in the staffing agency need some love here because I think they're probably thinking we forgot about them when that is such a big part of the talent acquisition world. I, I don't think they're ever really going to go away. And so I found a recent list. What was interesting is just the top 10 recruiting firms. Now this is American data, but what I thought was really interesting was Corn Ferry remains at the top. I've been in recruiting more than 25 years and they have held that spot. Not that I'm all that surprised. Ferry
0: is number one spot in executive recruiting. Right. Yes.
1: Yes. And there was a big trend to move away from staffing Agencies and and the industry kind of shrunk there for a number of years, mostly with the advent of the likes of ZipRecruiter and the likes of LinkedIn, enabling employers to direct hire. And so they did shrink a bit. But I always said companies like Corn Ferry will always have a place in the market because what they do is so incredibly specialized.
0: What did you think about the number one spot in staffing in general, outside of executive recruitment being? Robert
1: Half. Like, <laughs> No, I was shocked. I was shocked. I would certainly. Why are you shocked? Good- because I didn't think they were that big. No. Not to be number one. No. Do you know, I think Robert Half, they certainly have always been really clear on having good, healthy margins they've always had good stable staffing in terms of internal people. My experience is people that have worked at Robert Half tend to stay there quite a long time. They invest heavily in training and I guess it's paid off.
0: Yeah, I've used Robert Half quite a bit. I do think they they have the scale and the scope to be able to execute quickly. Just to be clear, this research is not only based on on revenue there's multiple factors client satisfaction that is putting that in because you've got radstad you got a you've got Allegis, which has a, probably the biggest market share they overall do. because yeah. they, they own all the contingent side of it And then you've got Kelly Services. My old stomping ground as well is is high in the market share. But what's most interesting about staffing, we're not going to see a major difference in the next 10 to 15 years who, who is on that list because the industry is so fragmented. No one really has a dominant spot that can be taken over. Everyone's very similar in market share. They're all around the 5 to 7%. So there's really not a real dominant player in that space. But Shelly, question for you when it yeah. comes to staffing and what's going on in this environment right now. Do you think staffing is striving or having challenges in the year 2021?
1: I think contingent staffing is going to, I believe, going to continue to be dominant the example you just gave in terms of speed and being able to have access to candidates workforce and being able to staff up quickly you really need somebody who's got the infrastructure to deliver on that so I'd be referring to organizations that need to hire thousands of people not I need an accountant or I need a bookkeeper for the next 12 weeks, right? No, when I say contingent staffing, I'm I'm talking about organizations who are intentional about how they plan for what roles they need to fill, when, what locations they will need people for. And this is part of their overall business plan and their workforce plan, is that a certain percentage is going to be contingent. There's a lot of business case for contingent staffing, it, mostly for just the cost, if you were to try and staff up thousands of people and staff down thousands of people. So I, I do believe that will continue to be strong with the likes of Deco. Do you know what I found really interesting, though, when I read these reports was who was missing from the list? I didn't see manpower anywhere. Hmm, that's right. Yeah. I didn't see manpower as well. Manpower, even if you dial the clock back about 10 years, manpower was considered to be one of the largest, I think, other than GM, manpower was considered the second largest employer in the US. And now they're not, they didn't even show up on either of these lists. So, question for you if you look at staffing, I think
0: it's going to be extremely busy in 2021. I think it's already busy because a lot of corporate recruitment departments got shrunk down last year and a lot of them are trying to hire recruiters right now and they just can't even if they do the volume is too high for the internal recruitment team to be able to handle it all so a lot of it is going externally to try to get new flows of candidates basically we're throwing shit at the wall and hoping that something sticks Mm -hmm. so i think perm on the staffing side is, is really busy as well we talk a lot about the big players there's tons of small mom and pop or smaller recruitment firms how do these smaller recruitment firms how do they
1: survive right now going against these big players exactly when you look at the, the just the sheer power of a company like an Aerotech or Tech Systems and even Randstad I look in, in our local market here in Canada and you look at these three firms how can a mom and pop even compete, or even the small local only players, how can they compete? I think it comes down to what we saw happening during COVID was this big push to buy local. Yeah, I think if they can promote themselves as do business local, and that will be Monpaws are going to service the small to medium size organizations versus the Robert Half and Aerotech and Tech Systems and Randstad, they're. I believe their alignment is with the enterprise organization. So I think there's certainly enough pizza out there for everybody to go home full.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I think the mom and pop, the smaller um, shops can really do well. And this is where the ones that really will do well, will have a very strong personal brand. I I think the perfect example is Kim Wilkinson here in, in Calgary, who has a massive brand and she's killing it because people trust her. They probably don't even know the name of her company, but she's built such a yes. strong brand that she'll get the business. And so if you are a smaller firm, this is where you need to build your reputation, your, your personal brand. So people go directly to you because I do, when I'm looking at external recruitment firms that most of the people I'm using have uh, trust in the market, they've created that brand. I know they're going to be able to execute for me. So yeah. that's one piece of advice <clears throat> You got to be all over recruiter TikTok, which I've been spending a lot of time in the career section and the recruiter section of TikTok. And I find it fascinating. Some are doing a really good job on that end.
1: Yeah. Some are pretty lame though. Like honest to God, they're really lame. Like, yes. It's it's cringy. It's cringy. Well, the thing
0: is, yeah, yeah, but I don't care. Like in reality, I rather see someone trying to create something because it it is scary you put in perspective you're putting yourself out we're not all creative the first piece of content that we put out is usually not great and you get better and better at it so i rather see something than perfection right now Uh, and i think that's what we're scared of is what are people going to think about me who gives a fuck put it out there (laughs) and people will either react
1: positively or negatively but either way, they'll know your name. They'll know who you are. Right. And- I'm shocked that it's like you're turning over a new leaf or something here, Serge. What? Why are you nice all of a sudden? Why am I nice? Why yeah, are you like not- cutting somebody some slack for sending out cringy TikTok videos. I thought Shelley, for sure you'd be the most critical.
0: No, I'm not critical at all. You are. No, so- I'm just critical to you.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: That's the only person I'm critical to. your punching to. bag. You're my punching bag for sure. All my energy goes to you. uh, Then, so for the rest of the world, I'm the nicest guy in the world. (laughs) Oh, believe it. Believe it. Let's talk about another subject. I spent a lot of time in the tech space. Hiring software developers is something that I'm very passionate and know a fair amount about. And so when I was reading the Recruiting Brain Food, so shout out to Hung Lee. If you are not subscribing to the Recruiting Brain Food You You have to do it now. The articles every week, and it's really tough to get through all the articles, but I'll usually pick a couple every week that I Mm -hmm. find really intriguing, and I'll spend 20, 30 minutes reading the article and really understanding it. And one that I saw that I found interesting was an article of how hard it is to hire female software engineers in Europe. So obviously, most of our audience is not in Europe, but I think a lot of it applies To Canada and the U.S. Yeah. So this was done by Yulia Kuzman with collaboration with the Recruiting brand Food. So it was focused in Europe, but the data, I think, relates to North America Mm -hmm. as well. So they took a deep dive into candidate profiles collected from 50 open sources online. So plenty of data. Mm -hmm. What they found, which was interesting, is how many actual female software engineers are in different countries in Europe. So UK led the way with 28,000 female software engineers. Spain had 12,000. France had 12,000 as well. London, 9,000 if we go into the cities. Paris, Mm -hmm. 4,000. And Madrid, 4,000. What that data tells us is... There's not a lot of female software engineers, and I see that firsthand. A big part of what I've been trying to do for the last couple of years is hire more female software engineers. The percentage of actual applications Mm -hmm. is almost 100 to 1. For every 100 males, we'll get one female. It's Wow. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there's less females attracted to being software engineer, which is a good paying job?
1: So a couple of things on this particular research, these were senior female software engineers or software developers. So one of the things I've always done, whether it's software engineers or any type of engineering family is you need to look backwards in time and see what the graduation rates were we've been hearing for years that 50% of the engineering classes are filled with women. And so where are they six years after graduating? Where are they 10 years after graduating? And so I, I believe we need to recognize that a certain percentage of them are in motherhood. They may have chosen to step back. And so that puts you at a bit of a competitive disadvantage if you've taken a few years off that is one indication the other thing that i see is how the job ads are written i think they are written by men for men and you're surrounded by men and so for women if unless there is any indication that it's female friendly and parenting friendly how likely are they going to be to apply
0: is there less propensity for them to change jobs
1: as well than males? I don't think so. I think top talent will always choose where they want to go. Okay. And I reflect also back on an episode of recruiting brain food live, where they went deep, they did the point of view interviews, and they intentionally ensured that it was all senior software development. And they did talk about the fact that I, they want the flexibility of offering remote work. Check relocating. Like, where are where would they relocate to, and where is there any sort of indication that they're a female friendly environment?
0: Yeah. So, as part of that, they actually gave out tips as far as the key things you should be doing when it comes to recruiting female software engineers. And Mm -hmm. and honestly, it's not that different than hiring anyone. But I think there's a couple key things. If you can offer remote work, there's the benefits to males and females. I don't have any data to this, but I think there is more interest from females to work from home than there is from males. Offering remote work definitely is one of the things that is listed as a key point for for Mm -hmm. female software engineers. But I think for any software engineers, because If you're asking a software engineer to come into an office right now, you're screwed. You're going to have a really tough time hiring one. The other element is if you can't offer remote, are you actively selling relocation? And I think Mm. recruiters, again, I'm generalizing, so I might get shot for this, but I think recruiters try to sell relocation to males more than females. I don't know why that is.
1: So I think selling relocation is easy if you have a really strong employer brand. Yeah. So would you move uh, if you were a software developer, would you move from New York to um, Cincinnati? Would you move from uh, Calgary to Toronto for that brand? You would move now if you're not that brand or like a very strong employer brand where people will move. I know here in Canada, Canadians will rarely relocate for work. Now that is not so in Europe. That is also not the case in the U S yeah. uh, so actively selling relocation is, is a big part of recruitment. I think I know it is in Europe and I know it is in the U S because candidates will move for a better mm. job right across the country or even to smaller markets. Um, Yeah, I
0: agree. I think you'll see it. I think this is where you need to sell the market because you might move from Toronto to Calgary as an example, or vice versa, based on just maybe your lifestyle. You love hiking. There's always a way to sell where that office is, but I agree with that point. So building pipelines in location where talent is likely going to be in the future, Mm. I think that makes a ton of sense. Are you looking at where there's high enrollment? With software developers, education is a really tough one to say because the best software developers that I've ever seen are self-taught. So looking at universities is not always the best metric.
1: But I think the point of that is also understanding it's like when you are building a strip mall, you have anchor stores, right? So it's the same thing. If you're going to start building a pipeline for locations of where the future talent will be, it's because there are destination or anchor stores or anchor brands in that market. And that's why there was, I think, such a a flurry of activity to attract the likes of Amazon. If they were going to set up a a hub, a tech hub, you would want to have that in your city because it does mean that there is talent available as well, because nobody stays forever. So if you are going to relocate to Calgary for a job with a small firm, what other firms are there in the city that also hire tech talent? So it leaves your options as a candidate open or, or it's bigger. Yes. So the other point
0: is stop emphasizing tenure as much.
1: (laughs) Do you know, I remember a story and I think you told me this story of a hiring manager asking for 10 years of experience in a certain application or type of programming language that had only been around for four years. Oh, (laughs) so that happens all the time. And usually it's a mixture of the recruiter
0: and maybe a more junior manager, but so I saw yesterday a job posting for uh, a manager at a cannabis location and which was paying 45 K, which was just bullshit. So they were looking for four years, cannabis experience. Cannabis has been legal in Canada for two (laughs) years. What you're telling me is you wanted someone that had an illegal operation with cannabis to get that experience. That's basically what you're saying. So exactly to that point. Tenure is one of the things that, In software development, there is an advantage to experience and coming across multiple situations because you don't know what you don't know until you've come across a situation and you need to unblock yourself. And usually to unblock yourself, you need to work with more senior developers that have come across it and can help you get to the next level. Mm -hmm. And and it depends on the type of environment because you can go work for a company and just work on JavaScript for five years compared to someone that's been working in multiple types of languages, environments, different problems to solve for a couple of years, right. I'll probably hire the person with a couple of years of experience because there's better chance they'll be able to get themselves out of a situation when yeah. it comes to fixing the problem.
1: So are, what, is what you're saying that the focus on just pro- years of experience in a specific language versus show me how many problems you've solved, regardless yes. of the language? Yeah.
0: I've looked at the adaptability and what they've been able to learn, what they've done on their own right to on. increase their skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what types of problems have they come across? Because in software development, the difference between someone that is intermediate compared to someone is senior,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, it can mean hours, if not hundreds of hours of difference in productivity. Uh, yeah, it's a major difference. One of those spaces mm-hmm. that one really good one can be the equivalent of a hundred average ones. So that's I think amazing. that's one. So, debiasing job description, we talked about that. We agreed there's fantastic free tools on the internet that you yep. can get. Make sure as a recruiter that your hiring team is all on board with hiring female. What I'm saying is maybe they <laughs> say, but let's.
1: Isn't your entire re- recruiting team women?
0: Yeah, mine is. Okay. So it's not an issue.
1: Uh, That's (laughs) not not an issue. But if that's not the case, especially if you've got like a larger firm and if it's mostly women, I think you'd have a better chance of attracting women. I think that's the point, right? We all have unconscious bias. Mm -hmm.
0: A lot of these decisions are made. Well, am I going to want to work with them? So always checking on your hiring team, making sure that they're aligned with the priorities. And this one I think is really important. Be proactive in supporting women in tech initiatives in your market. I think that's a no-brainer. To be able to grow that talent pool, you need to be able to get people interested in doing this type of role. I have young daughters. There's a cool tool out there that is you learn coding by building these really fun video games. It gives them all the fundamentals. And if Mm -hmm. they have an interest in furthering their education in STEMs, they now have some of idea of how it works and they might have created passion with it because they created this real cool game from the software. So I think uh, encouraging more women to go in this line of work is it pays well. It's in high demand. I, I think for a lot of people, it's, it's a dream job.
1: It is a dream job for most men. And let me give you an example, search. There are lots of initiatives at the high school level where It's focused on women in STEM. And so it is a certain type of girl who is attracted to that. And so I do know firsthand, because Brooklyn has attended these pre-COVID, obviously, but they were like information sessions and, and job fairs. And it really goes back to having great female recruiters. Sorry for being biased. But so she went around to talk to the different booths, right? Because it it was focused on careers for women. And she said the only one that actually looked like they were having fun was the representatives that were there for hairstyling. The rest of them looked like they would rather be anywhere else in the world than at this job fair. So they didn't send recruiters who are enthusiastic about a career, and, and can sell why you'd want to consider this career. So the yeah. failure of that program and the failure was putting the wrong people or just putting someone who is just so poorly suited to be public facing in any way. <laughs> You send your recruiting team for a reason versus sending someone who honestly sat there looking, please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. Don't anybody come over here and talk to me. And that was the impression that a lot of these young girls left with.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I think these roles are going to be critical moving forward and I'll be interested to see how the dynamics of how many females get into STEMs. because if you look at the rate of education going to university is mm-hmm. so much higher than females than males and a lot of it is can be in computer science there's a lot of jobs, I think there's a specific skill set and we need to encourage it more. What else is new with you, Shelley? What's going on? Let
1: me see. What is going on in my world is just this ongoing saga of trying to get anyone to come and help with uh, home improvement. It's just crazy. I tell you.
0: Wait, like lumber is up 400% year over year. Do not spend money on renovations now. Just wait. That's my yes. advice. Okay. Well, thank That's you. That's my thank mansplaining you. to you on that. Wait. <laughs>
1: That was a definite mansplain. So yes. that's about it for me, Serge. You got anything cool coming up?
0: I've always got some cool things. So I don't know if I have told anyone on this show, but I have my own business and I won't talk about it on the show too much, but I do want to call out the name and I want to know from the listeners what they feel about it.
1: Okay. Drum and roll. I will not tell
0: you what exactly what I do, but it's in the talent acquisition space. It's called Seeds and Trees Talent Studio. Let me know I if you like it. the name or if you don't. So Shelly, always really a pleasure. Like Great seeing you again. And thank you for all the listeners. Have a fantastic
1: weekend and week. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Hi, my name is Sarah. And I want to tell you about my podcast called